Yeah, my personal record book. If this makes Pittsburgh, the Steelers, the fans of the Steelers, you, uh, if it makes everyone feel better, in my own personal record book, uh, the Steelers won that game, the Patriots lost, and that means the Steelers are on track to be the one seed in the AFC. <laughs> the Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. I want to play a game because this next segment's not going to be fun, but it needs to be talked about. So, whilst I'm talking about this, I'd like you all out there to think. Going back to the Penguins Championship in 2009, I want the four lines and I want the six defensemen. If you remember, call us up, tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. We forgot two players. Actually, we wound up remembering the final forward, the forward that you're probably most likely to forget. And we forgot a defenseman that we shouldn't have forgotten. And I blame Joe wholeheartedly. So give him to me. 412-922-2874. You get nothing. But it's fun. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I also said that something delightful happened to me today. Something that's never really happened to me before. Get your mind out of the gutter. I went to a female salon, a woman's salon, to get my hair cut. They do it up, man. They really do. I used to go to Supercuts all the time. I don't know if they're a sponsor of anything. I don't know if Sports Clips is a sponsor of anything. But I go in there all the time. Because I'm the kind of guy who's a wham-bam. Thank you, ma'am. Get in, get out, put the money on the table. And that's what happens. Supercuts, that's what happens when you go to... A sport clips. You go in, they're just trying to get as many people in and out as they can. Now, they do a good job, but they try to get as many people in and as many people out. That way, they are going to be profitable by the end of the day. It's about quantity, not quality. Although, I do think that they do a nice job. Love you, Andy. You look really good, by the way. I look hot. Yeah, you got like a a wave thing going on. I look like a European soccer player, and that's exactly what I told her I wanted. I said, if I walk out of there looking like David Beckham... Just uglier. It's going to go a long way to me pleasing my wife. I mean, with this with this haircut right now, you look like David Beckham without a six-pack. Yes. Three days until we take the video of me not having a six-pack, and then a day after that, I'll be getting pierced. The cool thing about this place is I went in there, and she said, I've got you blocked for an hour. I was like, what? Get you blocked for an hour. It was the same price as Supercuts, by the way. I go in there. I had just showered. She goes, you want a shampoo anyway? Hell yeah, I want a shampoo. So she bends me. Pardon me. She leans me back. Nice. I get the shampoo. And it's delightful. I mean, she's she's all up in me. Head massage? Up in my hair. Oh, my God. Oh, in the temples? Oh. Yeah. She's she's hitting all my spots. Then she used the clips to hold the top of my hair up as she's fading out the sides. They offered me a drink. Would you like to have a cup of coffee, a tea? We could interest you in some wine. No, I didn't want to fall asleep, so I didn't take the wine. I get paranoid whenever I go to places where they cut your hair because when I get nervous, I touch my face. That's what I do. I'm a jittery guy. I touch my face. I adjust my hat or I play with my hair. You can't do that, obviously, in that circumstance. So I didn't want the coffee. 
She gets done, takes me back, double shampoo, oh, condition that bitch. Wow. Brings it back out, puts in the product. She said, do you like this product? Because if not, I can wash it out. We can put something else in. She offered the possibility for a third shampoo. I got to go to this place. You have to. And here's what I got to say. Men do a lot of good things. They do a lot of things right. The one thing you got to do for yourself, go to a barber shop, a real barber shop, or go to a salon and get that shiz taken care of. Because not only do I look like a hot European soccer player. Nice. But I also have one of the best times of my life. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I'll get to some of the people who have taken some guesses at the Penguins lineup back in 2009. There's a point that I'll make with that later on in the show. And in fact, in 15 minutes, Josh Yoey of The Athletic will join us. Now to the awful thing that nobody wants to talk about, but that's kind of the damn problem. How many of you knew who this Larry Nasser guy was before today? Probably everyone that is in this room. Joe and Tom and Brian and me. But how many people really knew before the women started lining up? All about 140 of them lined up and talked about in a courtroom all the awful things that this man did to them. How many people knew before that? How many people knew before Allie Raceman, a gold medal gymnast, gave her side of the story? Because you go back a couple of years and the indie star was all over it. This dude got 60 years in prison for child pornography. But it didn't become a story until the Olympics were involved. It didn't become a story until it became high profile. We had to change that. When a woman cries for help, listen. Take it to the proper people, to the authorities, and run it up the food chain in your building, your organization. But here's the thing that ties the three together for me. Baylor, Penn State, Michigan State. Penn State, if you drive onto their campus, I've used this analogy a lot, but I think it's effective. You don't see anything for miles and miles and miles and miles. It's like 20,000 cows, cornfields, up oh, Beaver Stadium, and then on the other side, cornfields and 20,000 cows. The only thing you see for miles and miles and miles, it's like the Death Star on the horizon. It's Beaver Stadium. There's a 110,000-seat stadium that just sits there. And it's the only thing that you can see when you drive up. It's the only thing that people care about in that town. It's the only thing people talk about on the radio. It's the only thing people write about. It's the only thing people care about. They live and breathe Penn State football. It's their everything. Baylor had never had any success in football. I mean, it's Baylor. They've always sucked. Always. They've had some moments. But I think the things that we remember most now about Baylor are the basketball shooting and the rape culture that was created there. But the police in Baylor shrugged it off. Why? Because for the first time, the people who have rooted for that university in that bleep town 
to quote Donald Trump, that bleephole town, they finally had something to care about. They finally had an identity. No one gave a rip about Waco until the Waco shooting. And then after the Waco situation. Then after that, no one gave a rip about Baylor until the football program picked up. And they started bringing in all these recruits. Bad guys. And Art Briles knew it. But those bad guys that everyone knew were bad guys helped them win a bleep ton of football games. They became that shiny object. They built a new stadium, McLean Stadium, that's gorgeous. It's Texas. It's flat. You drive up for miles and miles and miles. You see a river, and on the side of the river, you see this beautiful new stadium. And it's all that anybody cares about. It's all that anybody talks about on the radio. It's the only thing people write about. It's their identity. People live and breathe Baylor football. Michigan State. There was a trustee on the radio program yesterday. We don't have the audio. But when asked about a possible NCAA investigation, he laughed. Why? Why would there be an investigation? Not at this pristine university. In Michigan State, up until Tom Izzo got there, what'd they have? Eh, Not really anything. They were the little brother to Michigan. Always. Then you have Ohio State to contend with. You've got the entire Big Ten. They weren't really much of anything. They've had their success. But they didn't have grand national success that had any staying power. Izzo comes around, high profile. University, in that sport. Money comes in. People care about it. The football program has picked up. Prior to the last 10 years, I was amazed looking back at how little success Michigan State had had in football. I mean, they've been to Rose Bowls. They've had their success, but they haven't really had prolonged periods of success till now. And finally, they've got their shot to play with the big boys. Finally, when people drive in and they see Sparty Stadium, That's what they're thinking about. That's what's being written about. That's what people care about. That's what people breathe. And at Penn State, I hate the word scandal. At Penn State, the child rape threatened their existence. It threatened people's air. It threatened what they care about. The only thing they care about, Penn State football. And the same thing happened at Baylor. They looked at it as a threat. Not about helping women. It was a threat. And now at Michigan State, they finally matter. They're finally relevant. And now a trustee laughs off the fact that they're going to have an inquiry come in that might decide whether or not they're going to have an investigation. Really? Us? No. There's a culture problem in this country. Think about what's happened in Hollywood. We've all seen the Facebook post. Oh, I hope this actor doesn't get hit because then I'm not going to be able to watch or enjoy my favorite show. Oh, man, they got this guy. I can't listen to his comedy anymore. That really sucks. It's always 
How does this affect me? And those are just actors. I'd argue that with the university, people are tied to that for life. I love West Virginia more than anything in this world other than you know my friends and family. But I love deeply that university. They're the easiest people to troll on Twitter. Fans of whatever university. The easiest people to troll because they care so much. But we need to separate what matters from what doesn't matter. And while we might love sports, and while we might love and do love our athletic programs, it can't come in the way, it can't get in the way of the health and well-being of children. It can't. And it did at Penn State. And my God, does it look like it did at Michigan State, too. Because it's the only thing that matters to them. You breathe the Sparty air. You breathe the Michigan air. You breathe that Beaver Stadium air. You drink the Kool-Aid at Baylor. And you put that as what's more important than what really is the important thing, and that's human life and quality of life. It can't happen. And it's easy for me to get up on this soapbox. It is. But if it were West Virginia, I'd be doing the same damn thing because I understand where it needs to fall in what's important and what's not. Priorities, people. I thought after Penn State it would never happen again. And then the same mistakes were made at Baylor. In Michigan State, my God, this stuff's been going on for a long time. And it's in vogue to rip Michigan State. It's in vogue to rip gymnastics. But they all deserve to be ripped. Because they all turned a blind eye. It was emotional watching that verdict get handed out today. And, and to hear the testimony from the last couple of weeks. When's it going to stop? Probably never. Because we continue to put these sports organizations up on a pedestal. Devin, next up on the Crowley Show. Hello, man. And that's what I feel like it is. Um, there's way too much um, fame worship now. There's too much hero worship now. This Nasser story should be the biggest story in America, bigger than Trump, bigger than all of that, just for the simple fact that on a national level, as a uh, teams that represented our country, and on a smaller level of a microcosm of society, of the university level, this dude was taking advantage of our little girls. Man, Just they, like the they, little boys that were getting taken advantage of at Penn State, this is too sickening to not be addressed. You're 100% right. And with the Baylor thing, I felt like we handled that really well on the show. I feel like we talked about that a bunch. And thanks for the call, Devin. It's Awful subject matter, but something that needs to be talked about if we don't want these things to continue. We talked about the Baylor thing here on a local show more than people talked about it nationally, and that's wrong. I didn't pay enough attention to this gymnastics case. I'm partly at fault for that, obviously. I mean, I'm the, I decide. Joe gives ideas. Brian gives ideas. Tom gives ideas. Everyone gives ideas, but I decide what's going to make air eventually. Now, I haven't talked about this enough. But you got to talk about it now because it can't happen again. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Braden tweets, 
I got it for you. The O, Dupuis, Garen, Kunitz, Sikora. Nope, wrong. You lose, Braden. Never listen to the show again. Up next, Hockey Talk with Josh Yowie. And you know my stance. Not only are the Penguins making the playoffs, they're going to make noise when they get there. We'll have his thoughts on that. It's the Crowley Show. Josh Joey coming up in a few minutes here on the Crowley Show, still tackling the difficult subject matter of Larry Nasser. We've got a caller, Jim, from Michigan, who says that his daughter, Saul Nasser, and I'm not going to call Jim a liar, but I'm going to preface that I don't know Jim. We're going to listen to his accounts, and you can determine whether he's believable or not. And this is not, again, to question Jim's credibility. It's just to say that I'm in a radio show in Pittsburgh, and I don't have subpoena power. So the things that he tells me, he can't... There's no perjury charge that's going to be attached to him. So that being said, Jim in Michigan. Hello, Jim. Hi, Adam. Sounds like a lot of pressure. So first of all, thank you very much. I'm joining you from My Heart Radio. I love it. I love what you do for the show, and I get to listen to Penguins now, which previously on ESPN Sports Pittsburgh, I haven't been able to. Sure. So transition year 16-17, my daughter had an elbow issue, and everybody said, you got to take her to Nassar. So she went up there. And uh, this is when it's really important to listen to your wife because she made me take off work and go up a half a dozen times over that period. And, you know, the thing that struck me after all of this fallout is being in a, in a room with a monster like that and not knowing it is kind of scary. But it talks about something that you, you mentioned that is it's people hide the truth when there's an elitist-type uh, mentality amongst certain sports figures and doctors that treat sports athletes. I never saw it coming. I, I never, I never detected that this guy was a monster. He thinks in a way that for the rest of my life, I don't think I'd ever be able to think like this person. Yet I was standing, you know, three feet, three feet away from him during all the diagnosis that she went through. We never had a bad experience, right? Were and you always in the room, Jim? You were always in the room? Yeah, always in the room, and I found it peculiar at times, Adam, because he said, I want you to take your camera out, and so I would turn on my phone, turn my camera on, and I was okay, I want you to videotape me while I'm going through this analysis. And okay, I will. Why? Because when you go back to the gym she's in, and she's a top program uh, gymnast, level nine, so she's not Olympic or anything like that. He said you could take the video and show it to your coaches and they'd be able to follow through on the treatment program that I'm, I'm recommending for your daughter. So it was always on the up and up, and it just makes me think, like, how could I have been that close and never, not even for a second, suspected that he's amongst a very few group, a segment of people that are so ugly and, and monstrous that they could do something like this. It just is a little bit... Uh, unsettling to say the least, but well, it sounds, Jim, like it sounds like you and your daughters, or your daughters in particular, got off lucky here, and it's good that you were there in the room. And thank you so much for the call, and best wishes to you and your family. I suppose I should take this platform as an opportunity to say you can't trust anybody, and 
this is in no way putting blame into the hands of parents who had these children who were abused. This is not the fault of the parents. This is the fault of the monster, and that's it. I mean, that's the reality. As much as I think Joe Paterno had a huge role in what happened at Penn State, the monster is the guy who is mostly responsible. But I never went to the pediatrician without my mom or my dad in the room. They never once let me go in there without them. And I don't know if that's a trust thing or if that's a, hey, we're just going to be there to hear the diagnosis. But I was never alone with a doctor. And I'd probably urge if you're in a position to be there with your children, be there. Because it's a hell of a lot harder to do it when you're there than if you're not. Now, I also heard one of the testimonies was that a, a girl had her breasts fondled by Nasser. Her mom was in the room, but Nasser was had positioned the daughter to block the view of everything that was going on. So it's not to say that that prevents everything, uh, obviously. And this guy's a criminal and sick, and he had thought about this for a long time, knowing that he was going to be able to do this. But also brings the fact up that people trust their doctors. You do. You trust your doctor. So the kid thinks that what's going on is normal. So my suggestion, be there. There's no easy way to do this. We transition to Hockey Talk with Josh Yoey of The Athletic. Uh, Josh, uh, apologies for putting you on delay there, but I-, I wanted to take that last caller. Flipping now to the Penguins. Man, I don't think they're just going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to make some noise when they get there, when I look at their potential matchups. I know we're a long way off, but... If they're the two seed and they have to play Philly or they have to play the Rangers or the Islanders or the Devils, I feel pretty good about their chances there. Well, you know, that's one of the interesting things when you look at the Penguins right now. Um, no, they have not had a great season. They've been uneven at best. But you do see them starting to come to life now, certainly. And I actually wrote a piece about this a week or two ago. They just match up so well with every team in their division. And especially when you look at Columbus and Washington, they are so far ingrained in their heads. And they also just have good matchups against those particular teams. Who's going to beat them in the division? I mean, sure, Washington or Columbus are capable because of their rosters, but I wouldn't favor them against the Penguins. So if the Penguins just get in, and if they're reasonably healthy and playing reasonably well in April, um, sure, they could make a run. Someone still has to beat them, and, and there aren't many teams in the East that particularly match up well with them. No, they're not, especially in their division, as you mentioned. Uh, I didn't even bring up Columbus or Washington there because I do like their rosters, but you can look at the roster all you want, but as you said, the Penguins are residing so deep and far those teams' heads that I would pick Pittsburgh, and I feel like Pittsburgh, if they're healthy, would take care of business there. Uh, as for the Penguins and their 5-on-5 five five play, nice to see them get three 5-on-5 five five goals yesterday. I think a solution here, Josh, to make them better in that aspect of their game, at the even-strength aspect, is to... If Reeves is not necessary, then don't have him in. Uh, if Brian Rust is on your fourth line, all of a sudden, with Jake Gensel and Phil Kessel on your third line, huh, you might have something there. You might have punch on all four lines. Well, yeah, and, you know, I don't, I'm not as anti-Reeves as some people are in town. He is what he is. I think he's um, actually played okay think... lately, too, Josh. I think he's been better yeah. than advertised lately. Fine. He's just, you know, he's not going to bring you speed. He's not going to bring you that kind of game. Maybe you don't need him in the playoffs. I mean, that, that that's entirely possible. And 
you mentioned Brian Rust. He's a really important guy for the Penguins mm-hmm. because you can literally use him on any four, uh, any of the four lines. And I think Mike Sullivan used him on all four last night. And he's effective. He can play the left side or the right side. He, he brings the team speed. And if you want to talk about the playoffs and big goals, well, there you have it. Nobody scores more than him. So that's an important addition. Um, the Penguins need to be better five-on-five five because as brilliant as they've been on the power play, uh, we all know there won't be many power plays called in the playoffs. Right. It's just the way it is. In fact, you're going to see it down the stretch. Uh, you know, refs are going to let more stuff go. It's been that way forever. They need to score more five-on-five. Five. We're seeing signs of that starting to happen. You're going to see Crosby, Balkan, and Kessel play on three separate lines. Now, the coaching staff really thinks that's the best route. And to me, with all due respect to the roster they have right now, I still think they might need a center to play with Kessel. I don't know if Riley Shane's really that guy. Uh, they don't want Jake Kessel playing center, so that's the one real hole I see in this uh, roster right now. Biggest trade pieces to get that guy. Who would they be, do you think, and – is a guy like Sprong off limits, do you think? Um, gosh, I, I don't think Sprong's off limits per se, but I, I don't see that happening really. Uh, they like him, and uh, when you have people who make as much money as Crosby and Malkin and Kessel, you, you always need young players on their on their first contract being contributors. He's a guy who can be that for a couple of more years. So I don't see that happening. Uh, Ian Cole is still a guy who. You know, very well could be traded. Uh, the whole Ian Cole thing is bizarre at this point. Um, you will never convince me that he's not one of their six best defensemen right now. And I know for a fact that a lot of people in the organization feel that way. Uh, Mike Sullivan's apparently not one of them. And, uh, you know, he continues to sit out. You could certainly get something in a trade for him. I don't know about a third line center, but he could certainly be a part of a package. So I still think at this point in time, he's the most likely guy to be moved. And the goalies? Well, the goalie situation is interesting it right is. now just because Casey Smith all of a sudden, man, uh, there's some real talent there. Uh, he's been impressive. I don't think any of them will be traded right now. Um, it's always a possibility. I think Jari at some point maybe will be traded. I don't mean this season, but in the next couple of years. You know, if he has the real potential to be a number one guy, uh, you could get something for him. And listen, Matt Murray's the guy. He, he's not going anywhere. He's going to be the number one goalie in Pittsburgh for a long time. So I suspect that between Jari and DeSmith, one of them will be moved at some point. It, it could be this spring. I guess that's possible. But uh, given Murray's injury history, I, I think you try to keep all of them at the organization, at least for this year, if you're not going to have a veteran backup. Josh Yowie joining me here from The Athletic. Uh, he does a really good job there, along with Seth Rohrbaugh and Jesse Marshall, who thinks I should get a handlebar mustache. Uh, Josh... <laughs> We mentioned Reeves, but the five-on-five play, as you, as we talked about, it's going to be paramount in their success as they move forward. What do you think is the ideal line uh, that Sidney Crosby should play with? And do you think Dominic Simone's a guy who could stick there and he's in their long-term plans as far as this season is concerned? Because I consider long-term for the Penguins from now until the time that they're done playing hockey this year. <laughs> right. Um, you know, Simone is a guy... I was never really sold on. He's not a great skater. He's not that big. Um, however, the more I watch him play, I, I have to give him some credit. He's just very good. Uh, he's just a really smart player, great hockey sets. He sees the ice, all that kind of thing. Uh, do I think he will be on Sid's line when the playoffs start? Um, I'm leaning toward no. Uh, I don't know. Anything's possible. And uh, the way Sid's going right now, you're, you're going to leave him on his line. I, I still think Jake Gensel makes his way back to Crosby's line mm-hmm. before the playoffs. Um, 
Those two were great in the postseason together last year. They were so good in the preseason and in training camp together, and then the Penguins just had that awful start, and Mike Sullivan was changing lines every game and has really not even stopped doing that very much. It's been kind of a constant, but I still think there's a lot of chemistry between those two. I think they want Gensel on the wing for sure. Uh, I still think he probably ends up as his left wing with a playoff start, but who knows? So that, that certainly is up for debate at this point. What's the deal with Sprong? Because I thought he was creating, and he looked better to me than what I had heard in his two-way game. So what's the deal there, and do you foresee this being a momentary setback with him in Wilkes-Barre? Well, he certainly will be back in Pittsburgh before long, probably this season, I think. Um, it's funny, you always hear about his defensive how poor it is. Uh, I kept a pretty close eye on him for a few games in particular. I thought he was just fine in that yeah. regard. I thought his two-way game was okay. Uh, I will say this for Sprong. It's something we've said about Phil Kessel a lot over the years. Um, there are some guys who just irritate coaches, and he's just one of them. Uh, Mike Johnson didn't want to play him. Jim Rutherford wanted him on the team two years ago. Johnson wasn't comfortable with him. Obviously, there's something about his game that Mike Sullivan's not comfortable with, too. Uh, he got benched, uh, I think it was a game in Anaheim last week, and I didn't see him doing anything particularly wrong. But, you know, Mike Sullivan sees things we don't see sometimes. But there's stuff that he didn't like. And so it's just an interesting thing with Sprong. He had that reputation before he was drafted even, that he was kind of a tough guy to coach, had an attitude. Excuse me, I, I haven't really seen much of that, but I'm not in the meetings with him either. I, you know, I don't know what they see. But clearly he irritates coaches a little bit. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, as did Phil Kessel, though, as well, uh, at points in his career. And when you score goals, that's okay. I mean, you can Good make point. exceptions for people, of course. I'll, I'll tell you, Sprong, I mean, the more he plays, the the more he's going to score goals. And, I mean, that sounds stupid just coming out of my mouth. I, I mean, obviously, but d- d- that guy is incredibly gifted. His release, the velocity yeah. he gets on his shot, I mean, I don't want to be crass here, but every time I was watching, well, I got visibly aroused. Wow, that's pretty crass. I, I know, I know. I really, Sprong got me sprung. Well, he's- like, the first time you watch him play, he just jumps out at you because of the way he shoots the puck. It's just different than other players. It really is. Um, no, he, he's going to score a lot of goals in the NHL. There, there's no question about that. I think, you know, I'm just trying to look at it from Sullivan's standpoint. I think he feels like, hey, we have lots of guys who score goals. If you're not going to be committed to what we're doing, then I don't want you on the team. And that's how I take it. Um, you know, and I, I asked him after the game in Anaheim what Sprong did wrong. And at first, he just kind of, you know, gave the, uh, I'm just looking for the best lineup to, you know, to help us win. And then Sullivan said, well, I want guys out there who are working hard. Well, okay. That tells you he doesn't think Daniel Strong always works hard, and that's going to be an issue if he thinks that's the case. Last thing here for you, Josh. Don't got a lot of time because uh, I dug into this segment with the Nasser situation. Sure. Um, but in, in, a, in a minute or less, how about that? Who do you think, if you had to put money on right now to win the scoring title, if it were Kessel or Crosby, who you put the money on? Uh, I would still put the money on Crosby. Um, Sid's kind of a binge scorer at times. Like right now, he has what sixteen points in the last eight games, something he like does. that. Um, as great as Phil has been, and Phil's been the steadiest of the Penguins, he's not really one of those guys who puts up four or five point games here and there. Sid does that sometimes when he gets hot. And so, if I had to put money on one of the two, I'd probably go with him. Um, but that said, it's going to be fun to watch. And also, by the way, Kessel, if he's going to stay on third line for the rest of the season, that means he's not playing with Crosby or Malkin. It's going to be a little harder for him to produce five-on-five five without one of those two guys. 
So I'd probably put my money on Sid. I don't know if either one of them can really pull it off, but uh, it's kind of up for grabs right now, so it'll be a fun little subplot uh, the rest of the way. Josh, really good stuff, man. Thanks for the time, and uh, hopefully we hang out here soon. A couple beer skis. I I think that could be arranged. I would be okay with that. Let's make it happen. Not that there's anything out there in the looming near future that we'd have to discuss. No. No, nothing. Nothing at all. (laughs) Goodbye, my friend. (laughs) Josh Yoey, The Athletic. Incidentally, Dan Kovacevic on right now with Mark Madden. I probably would not have done that. Transparency, of course, being the number one virtue of the Crowley Show. Up next, the NCAA is going to try to come down hard on Michigan State, even though they don't have really any jurisdiction. They don't really have the ability to come down on them. I'll tell you why they're doing it. It's pretty damn obvious to me. It's the Crowley Show. I wheeled over my headphones, and now the headphones are all tied up in the wheels of my chair. So whenever I move to my left slightly, I can't hear any of the audio. I'm good right now, but the reason that I was delayed by about 15 seconds getting on the air is because I'm an idiot. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. We have a lot of fun around here. A lot of fun. A lot of freaking fun. But we also make sure that we touch on the most important things in the world of sports or otherwise. And that, of course, today is the Larry Nasser sentencing. And that guy's going away for 40 to a buck 75, right? Yikes. Never seen the light of day again. And the judge who slammed the gavel was a bad ass. Certainly an opportunist, but definitely a bad ass. And nothing she said is something that I wouldn't have liked to have said in that circumstance. So good for her. I suppose. Because I'm sure she didn't want to be ever having to hand down a sentence for a situation like this. I said a couple of segments ago that Penn State and Baylor and Michigan State all have this one thing in common, and it's that their programs give their area an identity. And because of that, these things get overlooked and cast aside. Our next caller thinks that that happened at Penn State. What's your name, man? Sorry, uh, I, I must have deleted it whenever I tripped over my chair trying to pull the cord out. What's your name, buddy? Rich. Rich, how are you? Oh, I'm having a great time. I appreciate you taking my call. Sure, man. What's up? Uh, you mentioned about Nestor having something brought up in an article years ago that got kind of swept under the rug. Well, yes. Well, Paterno, well, not Paterno, Sandusky had a court case against him in 98 that the DA wanted to drop the case. He didn't want to go against the mighty Penn State. So everybody knew then in 98. They did, and that plays exactly into what we're talking about. And and I appreciate the call, Rich. You're, You're spot on there because Jerry Sandusky 
after that. He won the Assistant Coach of the Year Award in 1999. The year after that. When they got him. When they eventually got him. He had been allowed to have an office on Penn State's campus. He was working for the Second Mile Foundation, a foundation that he founded. And he had access to all of these little boys. How anybody can think Penn State's faultless in all this is beyond me. Except I know why they do it, because they're the people who've painted their faces, and they're the people who go to the games, and... What is it, 409? Is that how many wins Joe Paterno should have, according to them? Those are the people you're dealing with. And those are the same exact people that you'd be dealing with at Michigan State. Although, from a fan base perspective, I haven't read about anybody pushing back. I'm sure that there are people defending the athletic administration, but I haven't heard anybody from a fan perspective pushing back. What we did hear is on the radio yesterday, someone who's on the board of trustees, say, oh, an NCAA investigation, absolutely not. No, 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 no. No way. Why would they do that? (sighs) I say it all the time when shootings happen. You're not allowed to politicize it in the immediately, in the the immediate aftermath, right? They tell you, "Don't, don't make this about guns. Don't make this about mental health. Don't make this about anything. We just need to handle this right now. But I always say, when that conversation's being had, when you're being yelled at and you're being told, don't politicize this, the only thing I ever say is it's going to happen again. After Penn State, I thought maybe they'd figure this out. Administrators, administrations. Then Baylor happens. And I suppose that the Michigan State thing had been happening during the entire time. 4129222874. The NCAA has said that they're going to do an inquiry. And the inquiry will then tell them whether or not they need to do an investigation. So those people out there who are saying that the NCAA is going to investigate, that's not the case. The NCAA is going to do an inquiry, and then that inquiry is going to tell them whether or not they do need to investigate. I've done a lot of reading when it comes to the NCAA today. And I did so back when the Penn State sanctions were being put down. And really, the NCAA overstepped back in the Sandusky situation, in the wake of that. They did. I mean, they don't don't really... They're not really supposed to be able to police that kind of stuff. They're just not. And to this day, they're still not really able to police that kind of stuff. They know that. They know that, especially now, that that went down in the wake of the Jerry Sandusky situation. But yet today, prior to the verdict being read, we're going to do an inquiry. We're going to take a look. Why? Public relations. That's it. They know that they can't do anything. They didn't do anything in Baylor, really. They know they can't do anything. So what they're doing is they're saying that they are to try to save face. That's it. That's my take on the NCAA. 
Yeah, meanwhile, they're tracking down some kid for uh, picking a McMuffin out of the trash for a buck and taking away all his eligibility. Exactly. The fact that that is what gets reprimanded and stuff like this isn't eligible to be looked into is a disgrace. It's a disgrace. It's the same way that, well, obviously one thing's more significant than another, and child rape is the worst thing, but... It's arbitrary morality. I say it all the time. You pay a kid. F you. You're done. In a sport that's profiting from children who aren't being paid. The entire system is corrupt. Yet, guys like Dickie V freak out whenever they smell cheating. When there's an inkling of cheating. Just an inkling. Oh my God, Rick Pitino. He's a cheater. It's insane, baby. Rick Pitino, baby. He freaks out. Meanwhile, the entire sport is corrupt. And you look at the NCAA, and yeah, you find a McMuffin in the trash can. You pay for that kid? Where's that trash can in your recruiter's office? Because then you're effed. That happens. Okay, we're dropping the hammer. Child rape? No, we don't have any jurisdiction. This is not a shallow pool conversation here. There's so much to consider when thinking about all this. The arbitrary moralities of the NCAA overall, the fact that it's professional sports that are masquerading as amateur athletics, uh, there's the fact that the NCAA went outside of their own guidelines against Penn State and now is, I think, afraid to go outside those guidelines again because of the backlash they got from Penn State, but still wants people to think that they're doing something now at Michigan State, so they're going to try to dip their toe in the water by the inquiry. It's insane. You know what sticks out to me, man? Is the You sheer, tell me. It's the sheer volume of, of agencies or... Um, leagues that are involved in this. One, you've got uh, Michigan State as its own. You've got the NCAA. You've got the USA Gymnastics. Right. You've got gyms like Twist Stars. There is a lot of accountability to go around. A, a lot. I mean, it's not just one organization that did this. There is a lot of systematic stuff going on here. And right now, what you have in the paper, in the news, are these guys are scattering like cockroaches when the light goes on. They're starting to point. They're starting to deflect. They're starting to go into full PR mode to cover their asses plain and simple. That's what these organizations do. But it's actually, frankly, sickening oh my that God. there's this many organizations that kids, and I mean the NCAA because college athletes are kids, kids. are involved in this. And, and, and it just shows you what the kind of systematic approach to this sort of stuff is. Here's a bunch of big organizations. All doing the same thing. Nobody taking any kind of responsibility. Everybody deflecting. It's wrong, man. I mean, this stuff really needs to change. I went to West Virginia. That's abundantly clear by me being me. If you listen to the show, you know I went there. This kind of systematic failure goes on all over the place, and it just happened recently at my college radio station. And it's out there. Uh, If you want to look it up, you can. You go to WV Metro News. I mean, it's all over the state. Uh, A guy that I knew there was accused of sexually harassing employees. Well, these employees at a student-run station, he's the only student out there, these are students, they went to the Title IX office, filed a complaint, he was removed for a little bit, 
as they quote unquote investigated. But then he was placed back into the program and allowed to train new prospective employees, a lot of whom were women. There's bureaucratic failures all over the place when it comes to this stuff. And I suppose that there's a gray line there then, too, right, Brian? Because you want to take everything at face value and you want to rip someone out from their position, at least while you investigate. But at the same time, they're trying to protect who they think might be innocent because there's innocent until proven guilty. And, man, this stuff is its so complex. But to me, I, I just got this tweet from Jimmy. He said, thanks for taking my call on Nasser and for your summary message to listeners that are parents. Be present. If I'm going to be preachy again, if you freaking hear anything about somebody who might be touching a child... Are you freaking kidding me? If you're an administrator, I don't care what it means for your job. (laughs) There are children whose lives are ruined. There was a mother who spoke in the last couple of weeks who took her child to Nasser who killed themselves. The child did. And the mother was sobbing, blaming herself. Like, it ain't the mother's fault. So, if you hear it happening, if you hear there's a whisper or an inkling, for the love of God, say something. None of this is more important than, or no paycheck is more important than this. No. No idea of a career is more important like this. Being a human is the thing that counts here. It and is. that's what you got to be. You got to take accountability. And if you see something wrong, I mean, I know it's cl- cliche, see something, say something. But, dude, that's what it is. Like, if you see, if you see a, if you see a, a, a duffel bag at a, station yeah. you're calling 911 you do if you see a little bit of smoke maybe there's a fire call 911 you know i mean it's it, it's just amazing to me that people put these kind of priorities like their career and their livelihood ahead of this it, it's just crazy it is and it's sickening and it's going to happen again it's going to happen again unless people heed the advice of others it's awful we transition again not easy but we transition to slap Stick Crowley coming up next. My buddy who works WIP in Philadelphia. I want to get his take on the Eagles fans. Because I think the scum is the Crowley show.